I'd like to welcome y'all to Secrets from the South. I'm your friend, Scotty Ray, along with my co-host, Terry. Now, you'll quickly catch on that we don't sound like the man on the 6 o'clock news. We talk a little slower, and we've got a southern drawl. But nonetheless, we've got a great podcast lined up just for you. We'll bring you some interesting stories. They're sometimes crazy and a little unbelievable. But it would be just plain impolite not to share them. So get yourself comfortable. Find some southern charm and a glass of iced tea and enjoy. Terry and I would like to welcome you to the podcast, Secrets from the South. There's always an interesting subject, and this week is no different. Do you remember as a kid, well, maybe it was an adult, that you were accused of something you didn't do, and no matter how hard you tried, you couldn't prove that you didn't do it. You could not prove that you were innocent. No one would listen. I thought we'd give a real-life example of this. Let's take a walk back in time, and let's say maybe you're accused of conspiracy, that you had nothing to do with. Nearly 156 years ago, on July 7, 1865, on this particular morning, a hangman led a prisoner up a flight of stairs to her doom. The scaffold was high and eternity was near. She pleaded her innocent until her last breath she took. Let's travel down that road now and follow her last footsteps. I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode titled, The Execution of Mary. As with most things in America, well, you want to be first at everything, don't you, Terry? Well, I guess it depends on what you want to be first at. I mean, there's a ton of things you want to be first land on the moon. Yeah. First win a major sporting event. Um, I guess first well, intellectually to do, you know, make a discovery, be the first one to cure cancer. Sure would love to see that one. And Ricky Bobby said, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Well, that's true. I mean, is that not the greatest American quote there has been in this century? It is. (laughs) But sometimes being first is not the greatest. As we go back, and I I ran up on this story a couple weeks back, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that. What if, and I throw this, what if you were the first woman to have been executed by the United States? That ain't so cool. Uh, No, I could think of other things I would choose to do that day rather than be executed. And it's hard to believe that it took until 1865 for that to happen. You would have thought that, well, that would have happened a long time ago. But Why? Are you saying that women are do with, bad deeds? Well, I think there was a lot of people that broke the law during the American uh, Revolutionary War. Of course, you know, you go back to the witch hunts. There was tons of women that were tarred and feathered and, and done up in Salem. Well, that was probably, they were just executed outright. I don't know that they officially called them executed. They just disappeared. They went for a long walk and never returned. That was some That was some dark days up through there. Oh, yeah. And I do think one day it'd be pretty cool to go up and visit all that because I've never been there to any of that. But uh, it's no, fascinating. I'd, yeah, I'd like to see it too. But, you know, that was back in the day to where if you were innocent, who was going to prove that it wasn't true? Think about that. I think we have the checks and balances that we have in place today with the hopes that when we convict someone, we truly know that they are guilty. But we know in reality, and it's a sad reality, that we have a lot of our population. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but we have a pretty good percentage of our population that are in our jails today or on death row, and they honestly are innocent. They just didn't get a good trial. They didn't get a fair trial. They didn't get 
good representation, whatever you well, want to call it. They to- just got they they got pinned into something they didn't commit. They weren't where they said they were, and 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 the rest is history. And some of these folks, these poor folks die and they die an innocent person but you're only as good as your attorney and you hate to say that but that is the god's honest truth well that's why you hear a lot of times and i think there's a lot of truth to it where it and this is terrible to say because it shouldn't matter what your economic status is but it's also how do you money pays yes it does and then a lot of times you pay off somebody and you really are guilty and you can pay off a judge to look the other way or you know for nobody to bring it to trial or you pay top-notch attorneys to get you out of something and you know who comes to mind when i say that uh, oj's attorney if the if the glove doesn't fit oh you must acquit yeah that is true so, I mean, just that just tells you right there that if you have the money, you can get out of that. that. That was a great line. Exactly. But I think there's not a person, and I hate to say it, if OJ's listening, we're glad he's a fan. But I don't know <laughs> if there's a person out there that truly believes that he was innocent. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. But then there are people out there that unfortunately are innocent. They just don't have the right people representing them, and they end up going to jail or, like I said, the worst case, being executed. And, you know, I've read countless stories of people that were taken into t- interrogation and they were just hammered on for hours oh, and All they days. want is to get out of there yeah. and go and sleep and go home to their family. So they end up signing a confession of something they didn't do. Yeah. And believe it or not, this does happen in America, which brings us to today's subject because I, I, I'm not so sure that this lady that was first to be executed in the United States was really guilty of what they accused her of. I think maybe she knew something, but I'm not sure that she was guilty of what they charged her so with. So you're not sure that the crime fit the time, and in her Correct. case, death. Yeah. Okay, so what was she guilty of, or, or what was she accused of, I should say? Being a part of the conspiracy to kill Abraham Lincoln. Oh, wow. And, you know, you take all of that. It was the president. He was assassinated, and they wanted somebody to pay and pay quick. Well, think about that in today's world. We want, when something happens to one of our loved ones, and we're no different. I mean, think about how long we have grown as a country and and in advance and whatever else. But there's a common theme there, and that is when something happens to our loved one, we want somebody to pay. And and the pressure's on for them to find that person and convict that person so that we think, and it's a fake, you know, sense of, gratification whatever you want to call it of our justice that person is the right one that committed that crime and and we rush to judgment sometimes and it sounds like what you're saying is you think that that might be the case here yeah and you know that happens even in today's time you watch the news you pay attention what goes on out there a lot of times somebody's arrested quickly because it cuts down on the chatter in america and it fits this time well and it cuts down on the pressure that the uh, administration or law enforcement feels in finding the person that did this especially if it's a a heinous crime much less that you've supposedly been part of a group that uh, assassinated a president? Oh, yeah. Now, let us tell who her name is, because we hadn't even brought that up. Okay. Her name is Mary Surratt. Did I pronounce that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go back and look at her life. Uh, she got married when she was 17. She marries this guy. Which wasn't uncommon right. in that day. Correct. And, you know, even, you know, Loretta Lynn, 14 years old, got married. I can't imagine. So, I mean, would you let your daughter do no, that? No, because I'm still, pl- I mean, me, myself, at 14, I'm still playing jacks. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, to think that I was going to be married and be responsible for, you know, providing a lifestyle and a livelihood and make and a household at 14. I mean, I was doing good if I could even scrounge up some money to go to the store. Yeah. Now, you look at this. She gets married when she's 17. She marries this guy, and he's not really good to her. And you, you see this in today's world of a, a husband that drinks and is mean. And she lived through all of this. Life is going along for him pretty good up until about 1852 when their house burns. Destroys everything they have. So they move a little bit over. That was her childhood home where it burned. So they build this tavern, and they start to get back on their feet once again. And her husband starts, you know, you got to give him uh, kudos for being inventive. He started a post office, and the name, the town is even named after him, Surrattville. And you go, wow. 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 And they're making money. They've got a little boarding house going on there, and they've got the only tavern for anywhere around. So they're making money. And then he up and dies. And so her whole income is gone from what he was doing. Well, I've noticed that when you look at, and this is kind of a sidebar conversation, but have you ever noticed when you look at people back in the day when they pose for photos? Whoa. And I've looked at it. So would you say she would, this is getting a, a man's perspective. Is she an attractive lady or not? It, it reminds me, did you ever watch Sanford and Son? Yeah. On Esther? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like that. It looked like the piece of the Polaroid <laughs> well, not, that you pull off. That's not saying much, but have you ever noticed when you look at photos back then? Of course, I know they're black and white, but especially the women, oh. none of them smiled no. and so that right off the bat none of them really looked that attractive unless they and there were some out there that were just pretty despite the fact that they have this bleak expression on their face well you know why they didn't smile didn't you well they didn't have anything to, to really be happy about well it was those teeth you know we didn't have toothbrush toothbrushes back then that done a good you know they'd have cavities and be missing teeth yeah, but i mean think about their just Getting through the day was, and in today's world, I mean, everything that we have is at a touch of a button. Right. In your car, at your house. We have so many conveniences. Imagine how rough it was back then. And then they had to wear all those dark, heavy clothing. Petticoats, that, that can't be cool. And then you've got, on top of that, you tell me that you, you're living with a husband who is abusive and is a drunkard. Yeah. I mean, there isn't a whole lot to be smiling about. After he dies, he had bought a piece of property in Washington. So she moves herself and her children there, and she starts a, another boarding house and does pretty good at it. She starts providing for him and making a living, and this is where things kind of go south. Okay. Uh, she had two sons that joined the Confederacy. Not uncommon back then for, you know, houses divided. Of course, you know, that was a big book, The House Divided. Now, did she kind of live in Maryland where it kind of bordered between yeah. the North and the South? So she found herself kind of in, in a pickle, right? Yeah, and what's even more interesting about that, you look at where her house was, it is a part of Joint Andrews Air Force Base where Air Force One is parked now. Is oh, that wow. not ironic? Yeah, that is kind of that is kind of ironic. But I, I still say the woman got, uh, you know, she got kind of pushed into something. She had a son named John Jr., who had a bunch of friends that came over to the boarding house, people that rented. Now, if you own a, a business, you don't know everybody that comes to your home and the business that they discuss behind closed doors. There's no way you would. Well, I would think if I had a boarding house in today's world, obviously they're going to have a common area where they're coming in, just like you have a bed and breakfast. They're going to have a common area, I would think. They're going to come in, get a meal, maybe have a living quarters where they're sitting around a fireplace, probably freezing their butt off, probably sitting around a fireplace, 
having you know a beverage of some sort and and then they're i don't know probably talking about whatever goes on in that time frame but i would think that how in the world would you know what goes on behind closed doors and i'm assuming that you're alleging that there could have been a lot of conversation that took place behind closed doors that she wouldn't have been privy to right now what made her look guilty was her son was a confederate spy there's that is proven 100 percent. so they wanted the son so Abraham Lincoln is shot, and they show up there, and they start questioning because John Wilkes Booth had rented a, bo- uh, a room there. And so they get to questioning. They figure out her well, son is connected. Well, she's definitely guilty of having bad company. She is. She has a son who's a Confederate spy. She has a, uh, what would you call him, somebody that she takes in as a resident or whatever. A, a border? A border you... that is John Wilkes tenant. Booth. A tenant. John Wilkes Booth. Right. I mean, right there, you got two strikes against you. Now, does that mean that she's guilty? No, but she doesn't have a lot going for her. That's correct. And now, and then you factor in these other two fellas that are friends with John Wilkes Booth that help him. Now, what her son is guilty of, if you remember back in history, there was an attempt to kidnap Lincoln. Her son was a part of that. Really? But again, she didn't know anything about it. She didn't do what he did. You can't be responsible for what your children do. So just playing devil's advocate, you don't think that – I'm just trying to think about my child. Do I know everything that's going on in my child's life? Absolutely not. And there's probably a reason I don't know everything, even though she's a great child, really is. But I don't know everything that goes on in her world. And she probably doesn't want me to. But if she's living at home, was this son that was the spy, was he living in the boarding house? Back and forth. When the murder of, and that's what they tried to prove, and he was no, he was in New York when it happened. He was not a part of the assassination, but they had a warrant out for his arrest. You know, that's almost like in today's world where you get in a car with some friends, and, you know, you're at the mercy of whoever's driving and whatever else. Let's say you're in the back seat, and they make some bad choices. Go in, stop at a store, rob it, accidentally kill somebody, get back in the car and take off. You're just as guilty as they are. Yeah. You know, that's just where you call bad timing so do you think that's what she got called up in or she was one of the ones that got out and went into the convenience store with them i don't think she got out i I really don't i think she was guilty by association she i think she may have sent something she may have known a little bit but i don't think she knew of the plot but here's where it got bad they show up they interrogate every guest that she's got in the house they didn't arrest her a couple of days later they come back and do arrest her and it's because of the town drunk who is a part of this with John Wilkes Booth. Okay, so who's the town drunk? Well, the town drunk is also the guy that rents from her. You know, the house that she had before she moved to town. She right. owned a tavern there. He rents it from her and runs it. Well, on two occasions, she made trips out to there. And his testimony that got her arrested was that she came and told him to ready the guns. Someone would be about to pick them up. Ready the guns. And sure enough, John Wilkes Booth does show up to ready the guns. But from all accounts, people said he was trying to save his own skin to try to throw him off of him and accused her of that and that that never happened. So did she actually say, ready the guns? She said no. She said, And what does that mean? What does ready the guns mean? She had guns hidden in the wall there uh, at the tavern. But why would she? uh, uh, But okay, so he's saying that she said that. She's saying, I never said that because I'm trying to think of, he's trying to kind of find a way to get her on the hook for being a part of this. Yeah, and making him not look so bad. Gotcha. John Wilkes Booth uh, had hid guns down there, and he's trying to say that she told him to get them ready for for Booth. You know, that would be an awful thing to think that something that I said would 
lead somebody or lead to their arrest. Right. Their conviction. And and, and I know you're probably going to get into this if you could even call it a true conviction because it didn't last long. And then she was hung. Yeah. All right. So continue on with the story. So if that now what she is guilty of, she did deliver a package for John Wilkes Booth. The night before the assassination, he asked her to deliver a package. She did that. She's questioned on it. She goes, yeah, I did that. I have no problem with admitting doing that, but I have no idea what was in there. And it was this field glass that he was going to use to escape with as he makes his way uh, out of town. You know, kind of like binoculars of today. Yeah, mm-hmm. But she stood by. She didn't know what was in the package. She did agree that she did do it, though. You know that it doesn't look good for her right now. Oh, it's, it's This awful. far in the story, she's got a son who's a spy. Right. She's got John Wilkes Booth, this a tenant. And she delivered a package that would help him escape. Correct. And she's got, supposedly, she had a conversation with her tavern owner, or the guy that's renting the place. Correct. That says, get the guns ready. It does look bad. She's got a lot of things going against her. And at this point, somebody has to pay. So she's arrested. She's taken in. And I didn't know this because, you know, today criminals have just all kinds of rights. But she was put under a military Which they should have. Because, like I said, there's a whole... You have to make sure that at the end of the day, you are convinced that that person is truly guilty. So you do want to give them rights. They deserve to have rights so that you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that the person that's sitting behind bars or the person you're getting ready to execute is guilty. And we just mentioned that there's a large... I keep saying large, but there's a, a percentage of folks that we know that exist, that are living behind bars right now, that are sitting there waiting to be executed, that truly are innocent. Right. And, you know, you feel for her, the more you read upon this and comparing it to today's time, they wouldn't allow her to see a doctor. She was thrown in a cell, couldn't see a doctor. And I didn't know this. At that point in time, with that being a military trial, she was not allowed to talk to her attorney outside of the courtroom. When she went to the jail, she sat there. So we're talking. Well, how did she ever get any time with her attorney? Exactly. She really didn't. Maybe 20, 30 minutes in the courtroom, she got to talk to him. So she's up to be executed, and she has only 20, 30 minutes to even talk with her attorney. Right. Hmm. All through this, you think, well, something's going to come differently. They they try her. She is found guilty. They, You know, she stands up. She's found guilty. The jury says, on one condition, we want leniency given to her because we feel like she should spend life in prison instead of being hung like these other men that are going to die. And they pass this on. And you know what is just horrible? What? Andrew Johnson, who is president, says, well, I never saw that. I never heard anything about anybody wanting leniency for this lady. Do you believe that? Well, it definitely sounds like she has a case of bad luck. And let's just go ahead and admit it. This starts all the way from when she got married at 17. Yeah. And married the drunkard. And then she ends up with a kid who ends up being a Confederate spy. I don't know. I can't say what it was like in, in those in days during the Civil War. But she's got a kid that's in that's a spy. Then she ends up with a house burning down. And, I mean, she's just had one piece of bad luck after another. And she's 42 years old. I mean, you're not old enough to have really lived at that point. No. And so she's found guilty. And she is the first led up the steps. Can you believe that? The lady is the first up the steps to the hangman's noose. The hangman even goes so far to say that he is convinced that they're going to stop her execution. Apparently, when you make a, a, 
a noose to hang someone. It has seven knots in it. And he said, she was the last one I made the night before. And he said, I only put five in it because I knew she was not going to be hung. He said, I felt that they would stop it at the last minute. She's standing there. And can you only imagine if truly you're innocent and you're looking at that rope and they get ready to put that black cape over your head? Can you imagine what's going through your head? No, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it for her. I can't imagine it for other people that find themselves in the same situation as her. But I wonder how many, you don't even have that many executions of women in today's time. No, you don't. Time. If a woman is to be executed, I mean, you pretty much, that's the co- topic of conversation on every news channel in the U.S. And for back then, I can't imagine, much less been a spectator at that. Now, they offer her a deal, and they say, if you'll give us your son, we'll let you go. You won't swing. And she says, I don't know where my son is. He's not in town. I have no idea. And she swore that until the breath of her body uh, left her that she had no idea. Whatever happened to the son? Well, we're getting to that. It's it's interesting of this. What do you think her last words were? And you've got this woman here. She's scared to death. I I would think she was probably saying she was claiming her innocence until her last breath. And she looks over at the hangman. She goes, please don't let me fall. 30 seconds later, she did fall. And she swung to her death. They go after the son. And what is presumed is they they feel like that they had her kind of held captive to make himself come turn himself in is what they wanted so they could get him. They were using her as kind of like bait. bait. Yeah. He never showed. It takes them two years to track him down. He's arrested. He is charged with the exact same crime his mother was charged. And you know what? No, don't tell me he, they find him not guilty. He was acquitted. How? Uh, there were several reasons that went into it that uh, time had elapsed, but they didn't have enough proof on him to prove he had anything. But to they do really with. didn't have enough proof on her either. Correct. And, you know, her lawyer even says, well, about her, what about her young daughter? She lived in the house, too. If you're going to charge the mother, you need to charge the daughter. She had she bound to have heard something also. It was a rushed thing. To rush the judgment believe. just because of it was the president of the United States and it happened to be a very famous president of the united states now it did happen in her house uh she did deliver that package that did help john wilkes booth but i think she probably knew something was up because you know she was she sympathized with the south but i i really don't think that she planned this out like john wilkes booth did well you know it's interesting when i was in uh, washington dc a couple of years ago with my family and we were doing all the monuments and whatever we went to the ford theater and that's the second time i've been there i'd gone a couple of years earlier and that is a really neat place to go and see. And then you get to go to the house that is adjacent to the Ford Theater and see where Lincoln actually laid in the bed, unfortunately, as he was dying. And, you know, and he may have lived, have they, I don't know where the word would have lived, he would have lived longer. You know, they, they dug in him after he was shot with a, a doctor that really didn't know what he was doing. Think about Back then, you died, you could die of just a simple disease that is very curable in today's world. We've just made so many advances with our physicians, with our medicine, you name it. But yeah, it does make you question whether she truly, and I guess that's going to be one of these things we'll never really know. Did she truly really know more than what she let on? Because I got to tell you, Scotty, I'm in her shoes. I got a boarding house and I get, they come pick me up. I know nothing. I agree with that. You know, even one of the, the guys that swung with her, 
swore she was innocent, had nothing to do with it until they dropped the rope on him. He said that she had nothing to do with it, but they wanted somebody to pay again. Yeah, I know. It's one of those things that will, I wonder, you think we'll ever truly know if how involved she was in that but at the very least i mean her life is kind of sad as a lot of them was back then i mean you think about people that were enslaved then you think about just the lives that people had in general it was just this is rough living but at the very least you have to say either she had some bad luck which i think is safe to say even up to the point where she didn't even have an opportunity to really speak with her attorney and get a game plan or at least give him enough evidence to prove that she didn't know that he could have a good defense for her case. And so she really was, it sounds like to me, was a, a lost cause to begin with. And then it took five years before the family got the body back to where they could take it because they buried them all in shallow graves there, uh, right where they hung them. And then five years later, the families were given the bodies where they could take them to their appropriate cemeteries. What is real weird about all this is the tavern owner, the, the tavern guy, he's, uh, I think, 100 feet from her in the same graveyard. It's just real weird. The guy that made that cost her her life lies 100 feet from her in the oh, same wow. cemetery. Wow. Well, is the moral to the story, let me see if I get this straight, is the moral to the story, you better be darn sure who you have as tenants? I'd say the the moral to the story is watch who you hang out with because they can make you look guilty. Yeah, literally hang out with. Now, there's no way after 156 years that I can prove that Mary was innocent. All that I can tell you is her last few hours on earth must have been tough of knowing that you would not be around to raise your children and they would have to fend for themselves. Right or wrong, Mary Surratt was hung and Mary went down in history in the United States as being the first woman ever executed by the United States government. And to this day, you can still go to Mary's boarding house. It's a karaoke bar now, but it's still there. In the end, let's hope that God heard her prayers and that he was a little bit more compassionate than those that judged her. We have our contest coming up. What we're asking folks to do is to show us where they're listening from. Oh, you mean like a little sign or something? Yeah, a sign. Hold a sign up that says, I listen to Secrets from the South from wherever your location is, Atlanta, Georgia. Love for those that we have in our other countries to show where they're listening from because we know we have an audience out that's out there that we have in multiple countries. Love to see a sign. And the way that they can post that is they can post it on our social media platforms, which are Instagram, Facebook, or they can email us at comments at secretsfromthesouth.com. We need for you guys to go ahead and send the photo, put some information that's out there and how we can contact you. We're going to select a winner. We're going to do that. The deadline for this, I think it's June 1st. We'll select some winners. We're going to try to pick somebody from our local state, try to pick somebody outside of that's within the U.S., and then pick some people that are from other countries, and we'll get a hold of them, the winners, and get their shirt size, find out how we can mail the t-shirt to them, but it's a really cute t-shirt that says Secrets from the South on it. It's a contest that you don't want to miss. You need to participate. It's really easy to do so, and like I said, I've already told you three different ways to participate, and you need to do so quickly because June 1st will be here before you know it. It is. Good luck to everybody. 
We hope you enjoyed our podcast and will continue to listen more. We promise to provide stories that intrigue you, provide a little humor, reflect our heritage and culture, whether it's strange and alarming. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Let us know whether you liked or disliked. Do you have a story to share? If so, we'd like to hear from you. Please email us at comments at secretsfromthesouth.com and provide a brief description of your story along with contact information and we'll be in touch. Until next time, well, you know a secret from Washington. Washington.